Let's pray. Here we are, God, your kids. Here we are in your presence. And God, today, we want to hear from you. We don't want to just hear an echo of yesterday's messages or things that other people have said. We want to hear from the heart of Jesus. So God, I ask that you would speak to every single one of us. Speak to us, God. Soften our hearts to hear what you have for us this morning because you have such good plans for us. You have things in our lives that you just want to work on. You have things in our lives that you just want to tell us. So God, use my voice. And God, let us hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we talked about Philippians chapter 1. So this week we're going to talk about Philippians chapter 2. <laughs> and today happens to be the celebration of Pentecost, which is the birth of the modern church. And it's so super exciting to uh, take a look at Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to see how that relates to the birth of the modern church. So last week we talked about in Philippians chapter 1, and if you have your Bible, you're going to need it because we're going to go all over the place and it'll be really good to see. But last week we talked about Philippians chapter 1, and no matter what God has done in the past, whatever he's doing in the present, and whatever he's doing in the future, we can trust him. We can have su sufficient courage to do the things that God has called us to do, the things he's called us to walk through. So we look at Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to have a little bit of fun this morning. <laughs> we're going to go kids church style. I have this problem with kids. Like you saw me, the kids came in. I was like, kids, I really enjoy <laughs> uh, kids church and, and kids stuff. So um, I'm going to step out on a limb here and ask for a couple of volunteers. I need three people to come up. You won't have to uh, do anything gross. You won't, you won't, <laughs> I need three people that wouldn't mind coming up. I'm going to ask you a simple question just as a um, example for the sermon. So, Gloria, come on up. Bonnie and Ben, come on up. <laughs> and James Williams, do we want to come up too? Because this would be a really good, because you're both wearing red polos, this would be a really good, really good example. So, uh, we have, we have... Four people here. You guys can stand right here. Based on what, I, what we talked about last week, Philippians chapter 2, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. All right. I want you guys to think of one person that you love. One person you love besides Jesus, God, or the Holy Spirit. Lock it in your mind. Don't change it to be just like the next person, but are you ready? You got one person that you love. Mary Cardinal. Oh, Mary Cardinal. Oh, um, my mom. Yes. <laughs> I love my husband. Husband. I have an uncle who I love dearly. An uncle you love dearly. Okay, well, this verse said that we, in love, in spirit. Okay, pick your favorite age. What would be the best age to be? From zero to 99, what would be the very best age for you to be? 25. <laughs> that's, how old, that's how old I am. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 23. 23? Also how old I am? 
34. Okay, that's closer actually to how old I am. 48, of course. Oh, yes, of course, of course. How old he is, okay. And then I'd like you to pick a really good book. It could be anything from The Cat in the Hat by Dr. Seuss to To Kill a Mockingbird. Anything besides the Bible. We know that is the best book. And let's pick a, bo- a book that we love. Any book that you love. It could be Good Night Moon. <laughs> the Left Behind series. Okay, Left Behind series. One fish, blue fish, red fish, blue fish. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Do you remember the author? <laughs> Dr. Seuss. Nice, nice, okay. He likes books by doctors. He's very smart, my son. Actually, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. I, yeah. I do like that one. Oh, the book is called The Master and Margarita. Say it one more time in case someone's writing it down, because I've never um, heard of that one. The Master and Margarita. Okay, all right. All right, sounds good. Okay, we have four people... All with different ideas. Paul's saying, I want you to be of the same love, one spirit, and one mind. This is really, really hard to do. The other thing, I'm talking in two microphones. (laughs) Can you hear me now? Um, (laughs) We're going to do one more thing. Ben, if I can have you come over here. With these four people, we see how different they are just in their answers, right? We see how different they are in no matter... Who I put up here, our answers would be different, right? Because we're all different. Now, Ben, I want you to make a surprise face and show them, and they're going to try to imitate your surprise face. Are you ready? Go for it. <laughs> okay. This is Ben's surprise face. Can you try to imitate Ben's? Yeah, that's very close. Very close. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Next, you guys did really good with that. I want to see if you can imitate Ben. Ben, if you could come over here a little bit. I'm going to uh, have you put this on, right over your head here. I need your help. You got to help. There you go. Put this on, and let's put, since you're not too curly enough, let's put this on, just like that, and then some glasses. All right. Now, they did really good imitating his surprise face. Now, Bonnie, I would like you to imitate Ben wearing the jelly sandwich. Wearing what? Wearing this jelly, jelly sandwich. Um. <laughs> she can't really, can she? All right. Can either of you imitate him wearing the jelly sandwich? Not with that hairdo. Not with that <laughs> Okay. All right. I want you guys just to lock this little demonstration in your memory. There's no way they can imitate Ben wearing a jelly sandwich because they don't have the right tools. It is literally impossible for them to just try really hard. No matter how hard you tried right now, no matter how hard you tried right now, you can't have that hair. No matter how you change your glasses, they're not going to look like Ben's. No matter what you do, you're not going to transform. No matter all the effort, all the books you read, you could read book after book after book about how to look like a 12-year-old boy, but it will not happen without the right tools. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit more about this. Can you give all of these very brave people a hand? Thank you, Benny. You guys have a seat. Thank you so much for your help. All right. So Philippians chapter 2, it says this. Since you know God, since you know that God's going to be with you, no matter what you go through, I want you to have the same mind. That's impossible. Bonnie and Jim cannot have the same mind. I want you to have the same love, the same spirit. You look around this room, how could we, all of us, have the same spirit? (laughs) 
This is impossible. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking out for your own interest, but to the interest of others. Look out for others. All of us could say, I got that. I look out for other people. Look out for others. Above yourself. I'm sure you've been in kids' church or you've heard the acronym that says J-O-Y, and J is Jesus, others, you. When you put Jesus first, then others, then you, you have joy, right? Consider others above yourself. And we just had four people stand up in front of this room. How hard would it be to even consider those four people above ourselves? Never mind everyone, How can we do this? How in the world can we do this? Mother Teresa says this, and I love, uh, this book is called No Greater Love by Mother Teresa. It's a great one. It says, it's easy to love those who live far away. It's not always easy to love those who live right next to us. It's easier to offer a dish of rice to meet the hunger of a person in need than to comfort the loneliness and the anguish of someone in our own home who does not feel loved. I want you to go and find the poor in your homes. Above all, your love has to start there. I want you to be the good news to those around you. I want you to be concerned about your next door neighbor. Do you know who your neighbor is? That's really powerful. And it's powerful coming from Mother Teresa, right? That's super, super powerful. How can we consider people above ourselves? How can we consider not just our church, not just the, the world, the church, but our, our family above ourselves. Whew. <laughs> just think about your family for a second. <laughs> right? <laughs> Says my mom. <laughs> All right, so then verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians tells us this uh, in 2 Corinthians 2, 6, or 1 Corinthians 2.16. I think he's going to put it right up there so I don't have to flip. 1 Corinthians 2.16. No, that's 14. I'll look it up. 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says that how is it possible to know the things that God knows, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. It is impossible to love other people. It's impossible to love the people even in our homes. And Philippians is telling us, have the mind of Christ. This says to imitate Christ's humility. Verse 6 says, uh, Philippians 2, 6 says, Who being in the very nature of God, this is Jesus, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself to become obedient, even unto death, even death on a cross. If you have your Bible, if you could circle that word, even... 
Because I think that in our lives, we say, I love somebody else. I'll be obedient. But this word even, well, we, you know, the boys, when they were little, we had them do these ABC memory verses. And there's a memory verse for each letter of the alphabet. So um, A is a soft answer turns away wrath. B is... Blessed are the peacemakers. We all did it together. But when you get to, to uh, this, it says, if, uh, to why, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And I remember reading that and being like, that's not in the Bible. You're my friends if you do what I command. God's not some commander telling us to just follow rules. But it says it. You are my friends if you're doing what I commanded you to do. What's the biggest commandments? Love God and the second is equal to the first, equal to loving God. (laughs) Equal to loving God is loving our neighbor. You're God's friend if you love other people. So obedience even unto death. But here's our issue with obedience. My issue, our issue. I don't want to. What if we get to that next situation? I will be obedient when it's convenient. I'll be obedient when it's easy. I'll be obedient when it just is all flowers and kittens. Not kittens, Chris, not cats. Dogs, flowers and dogs. Chris likes cats, I do not. I don't want to be obedient sometimes. There's the rub. When you don't want to follow what the Bible says. Even unto death on a cross, we take on the mind of Christ. We take on the humility that Christ took on. And we say, even when I don't want to. And the second problem we have is, but I deserve, dot, dot, dot. I deserve a vacation. I deserve this. I deserve that. What did Jesus deserve? What did he get? He deserved everything. He deserved a crown. He deserved a palace. He deserved a lot of things he didn't get. What if Jesus came to earth getting everything he deserved? So to be, to take on the mind of Christ is not looking out for ourselves and our own interests, but looking out for the interests of others, looking out for the interests of Jesus. Here's our other issue with obedience. No one will ever know. The things that we do in secret, the Bible says, will shine forth like the dawn. Everything we do will be exposed at some point in our lives. Our good things, our prayer closet time, our time where we are in the presence of God, seeking God, praying on behalf of others, seeking his face, those secret times will eventually be exposed to bring God glory, I promise. But also those secret times, when you're doing something that goes against the will of God, Those also, even if nobody sees you, nobody knows, they will be exposed like the dawn. The things we do in secret will shine forth like the dawn. So our excuses are, I don't want to, I deserve something different, no one will know. And then also, everybody else is doing it. Child of God, you are a voice, not an echo. Child of God, you are a voice. You are not an echo of the people around you. I have no idea why I have a pen in my hand. You, you are to be a child of God. You hear from God and you do what God tells you to do. You don't do what everybody else is doing. Even if it's a whole group of people, you have to hear the voice of God and do what he tells you to do. 
And then lastly, we got to be obedient to God. But did God really say, I mean, I know it's in the Bible. Is it really true? Do I really have to do that one? I do all the other ones, but this one's really hard and it's not convenient and it hurts. Yes, God says, do that one too. Even like Jesus. Imagine if Jesus said, I would do it all, but that one. He did it all without exception. So to love other people, we have to have the mind of Christ Jesus. We have to imitate Christ Jesus. But just like we saw with these people trying to imitate Ben dressed as a jelly sandwich, it's impossible. How can we do this? Even that, even unto death, how can we, when we realize the depth of this problem, how could I actually be obedient by loving everyone always? We're going to get to it. Let's go on to Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Work out your salvation. Luke, can you put that up there? Um, No, the slide. Work out your salvation. It comes hand in hand. You see those two hands interlocked with each other. God's sovereignty is that when you get saved, you are saved, you are going to heaven, your future is determined, you are a child of God, you have rights, you have privileges, you are his. But then the work out your salvation with fear and trembling goes hand in hand with that. That's where our responsibility comes in to say, seek him and you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. That's on you. Ask and it shall be given to you. That's on you. Ask for wisdom. That's on you. And it holds hands. Do you see that? It's both. You can't walk through life and say, God, you do it. You just do it. No, there's effort on our part. It doesn't go all on our, our, our effort because it's impossible, because we can't become a jelly sandwich. We need Jesus. But yet, we, we work out our salvation. We wrestle through our salvation because trials and temptations come our way on purpose to produce character, to produce things in us that can't be produced when we're comfortable. So it is a combination of the two. We're working out our salvation, the sovereignty of God in our free will. The next verse says this. Do everything. And if you've got a pen, go ahead and circle everything. So you circled even and everything. Even and everything. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky and you will hold firmly to the word of life. And I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in labor or in vain. We've got some things that have come up here. Grumbling, arguing, selfish ambition, and vain conceit. Joy, joy, joy. This sounds like fun. Okay. (laughs) Everything. Do everything without grumbling. Grumbling is the absence of love. It's the absence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not trusting the process. God's bringing us through hard times or situations 
If we're grumbling, we're not trusting that God brought this on purpose, that God's going to see me through it, that we're working this together. We're working out our salvation. Trust the process. If we're complaining and grumbling about everything, we're grumbling to God. Arguing. Let's look at our good friend James, chapter 4. We're going to go to chapter 3. James chapter 3. Uh, Dorothy, Dorothy Day, who I absolutely love. If you're having trouble serving people, this is a book called The Duty of Delight. It's by Dorothy Day. She was a Catholic uh, nun who worked on serving people all of her life. And this is her diary, her journal, of how she loved people. It's awesome. So she says this. She says, you love God as much as you love the least as much as you love the person you love the least. You love God as much as you love the person you love the least. So James says this in 3.13. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So we're talking about the same thing of imitating Jesus' humility. If you are wise, show it by how you act. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Don't deny the truth that it's there. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's something to read again when you get home and read it again and again and again and again. Verse four, or chapter four says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? Ouch, 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 ouch. If you are fighting with someone, it comes. There's a slide here of a pool. Can you put that pool up there? When you stir up a pool and mud comes to the top, it's because mud was in there. If you get in an argument and anger comes out, it's because anger was in there. It's his fault I said that. It's his fault I did that. It's her fault. Well, if you had seen the way they treated me, it's because it's in there. And so when we get into arguments, when we get into hard situations, it's to shine a light and say, hey, Jill, look at your life. You got to fix that. When I yell, it's, hey, Jill, you got to fix that. I can't blame John for me yelling. I like to. I like to think that's the excuse. But it's because there's evil inside of me. And when we stop recognizing that there's evil inside of us, God puts a little pressure on. He says, Jared, try out this. Your car's going to break. This is going to happen. Your blah, blah, blah. All these things are going to happen. Let's see what's really inside of you. And we would love to think that Jared would be like, praise the Lord. Everything's fine. My car broke down. The heat went out, but I'm serving Jesus. That's our goal. But these pressure points come on us to reveal what's inside of us, right? We argue, and then we get to see, oh, yeah, I've got something in there that needs work. 
It's brilliant. God's brilliant, right? <laughs> it's brilliant. So why do we fight and why do we quarrel? Because of the easy, evil desires within us. And then it goes on to say, you don't have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you have the wrong motives. When we grumble, when we argue, it's revealing what's in our hearts. The next time you complain, say, oh man, that means there's something in my heart. Next time you get into an argument, okay, God, what's, stir- what's been stirred up in me? How could I take on the mind of Christ? How could I look out for other people above myself? Because if I'm looking out for the interest of somebody else, I'm not going to fight in the same way, am I? <laughs> if I trust God in an argument, if I trust God, see, God is in charge of vengeance. Amen. Whew. God is in charge of the vengeance part. It really says that. It says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. When I take it into my own hands, then I'm, acti- I'm trying to be God, and I'm not God. Vengeance belongs to God, and judgment belongs to God. But I want to tell you what belongs to us. Love. Love belongs to us. Grumbling, arguing, selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is that, that thing, taking on the vengeance, taking on, I'm going to get this for myself. I'm going to help God out by doing this on his behalf. I'm going to move this along, or I'm going to get out of this painful situation when God said, no, I wanted you to walk through it to reveal some things in your life, or I wanted you to walk through it for someone else's sake because we're going to love other people above ourselves. Competition is self-love. When we're competing with someone else, if we have anyone else in ministry, anyone else around that we're trying to be better than, that we're trying to get one foot ahead of, we're trying to love ourselves more than we love them, aren't we? So selfish ambition is loving ourselves. Doesn't mean we shouldn't strive for good things or go after the things of the Spirit, but it's God. He says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up. He doesn't need your help to be lifted up. And vain conceit. Vain conceit is when we think we've done things in our own power. Sometimes it's not what we do, but it's why we're doing it that's wrong. We may be doing all the right things. We may be giving money to mattresses in Liberia, but we might be doing it to bring ourselves glory. We might be doing something that seems good, but God knows the intent of our hearts. These are big, ugly things. Grumbling, arguing, selfish ambition, vain conceit. It is impossible to stop these things on our own. We had that hand-holding thing. If we try harder, we're not going to get there. We need God. We need the sovereignty of God coupled with us surrendering our lives to him. And many times we rely completely on ourselves. And when we do that, we are good. It's just like a diet, stinking diets. You're good for a day. You're good for two days. You're good. And then you drop off. <laughs> you're, you can't do it on your own. You can't just decide, okay, I'm going to stop being whatever. I'm going to stop grumbling. You can't do this on your own. You need the sovereignty of God, the Holy Spirit, to come in to change you from the inside out. There's been moments in my life where I've gotten to people and I'm like, I can't believe how nice I was. That's not me. <laughs> I was telling people the other day about my, in, in the past, how angry I used to be. Angry. And I'm not angry anymore. That's not because I tried harder. It's not because I figured out breathing exercises or went for walks or did things to help myself. It's because the spirit of the living God changed me, coupled with me giving him permission to do whatever he wanted in my life. Do you see how it's both together? 
here's the thing about God that I love. I'm going to read from another author I like. This is called The Price of Neglect. And this is a quick story about how great God is. Listen to this. Nothing spiritual can be gained in competition. The very idea of struggling with one another for some eternal treasure of the soul is unthinkable. John D. Rockefeller used to enjoy throwing a handful of shiny new dimes to a crowd of children and watching them scramble after them, each one struggling to grab as many as possible. The gifts and graces of God are not thus obtained. Each one of God's children can have all of him. And no one need receive less because another receives in abundance. The Spirit of God is not giving you leftovers. We are not chasing after dimes as children. We are tapping into the fullness of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? There is enough for every single one of us to have the Spirit of God. And if Tijan advances further than me and God, praise the Lord, there's still enough of God. And the next person, and the next person, and the next person, there's still enough of God for me. And there's still enough people to minister to, right? We're not fighting over anything. There's enough God for each one of us to have the fullness of God. We circled the words even and everything. When we look back at Philippians chapter 2, we imitate the, in Christ's humility, even death on a cross, even that thing that he asked you to do, even whatever it is in obedience. And we're going to do everything without plain, complaining or disputing, grumbling or arguing. In order to have even and everything met, we need all of something. If you turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I want you to look just in Acts chapter 2 at verse 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Can you put that slide up, Luke? The even and all one. God, you want me to be obedient to you even in this area? Jesus, we want to imitate him even to death on a cross. You want me to not argue, not grumble, not complain, not to be selfish in everything? Then I need all of God. And he says he's going to pour his spirit out on all of us. All of us. We can't do it in ourselves. We need the spirit of God. Let's go to John chapter 20, verse 22. Jesus is with his disciples, and he says, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven, but if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He's saying, in essence, he says, here's the Holy Spirit, just as God breathed life into man at the beginning of time. It was the breath of life that made man come alive in Genesis. And it's the breath of the Spirit that makes us come alive as new people, new creations, that we can have the Spirit of the living God in us 
with the ability to forgive. Without the Spirit of God, without Jesus Christ dying on the cross, leaving and ascending into heaven, giving us his Holy Spirit, we could not truly, completely forgive other people. We could try, but he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. We see in John 16, 3 through 15, we're going to go there quick, and one other place after that, and we're going to wrap up. John 16, 3 through, 13, 3 through 15. John 16. We're going to go John 16, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. It is from me that he, is, that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said the spirit, said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you meaning that Jesus is leaving and he's sending his Holy Spirit. We live in the best age of all time. In the Old Testament, God was front and center. Jesus and the Holy Spirit were there, but here was God. And in the New Testament, Jesus stepped forward and Jesus was front and center. And God and the Holy Spirit were there, but Jesus was there. And in this age that we live in today, in the present church, the Holy Spirit has taken the front row and God and, and Jesus are here, but the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to bring you all truth. We have freedom that the people in the Old Testament didn't have. We have freedom that the people in the New Testament didn't have. John the Baptist didn't see what you see today. King David didn't see what you see today. The power of the Holy Spirit is here to lead you into all truth. It's that still small voice that speaks to you in power, not to be an echo but to be a voice. It's that still small voice that speaks to you and enables you to love the people in your home, in your church, and in the world. In your own power, you cannot do it. But coupled with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible for those who believe in Christ Jesus and the Spirit of God that gives them power to be a witness. Mother Teresa says the only visible evidence of Christianity is brotherly love. That's what she says. The only visible thing is brotherly love. Jesus says you'll know each other by your love for one another. Coming out of us, when the Holy Spirit comes out of us, it's love. It's not judgment. It's not getting our way. It's not doing our own thing. It's obedience and it's love. That's right. <laughs> she is. <laughs> so how can we imitate Christ? How can we imitate Christ's Humility. I'm going to go one last place. Sec or 1 Corinthians 2. Oh, it's so good in here. We're going to, it's God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit, and this is exactly where it's supposed to hit home. It's impossible for us to do all these things on our own. It has to be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here today. So if we look in 2 Corinthians 2, 6, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of the age of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that's been hidden and that God designed for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. If they had, they would, have, would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it's written, what no eye has seen, what no 
no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God revealed to us by his spirit. God wants to reveal things to you by his spirit. Your action plan on getting rid of grumbling is from the spirit of God. Your action plan for not arguing, for getting rid of things in your life is by the spirit of God. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is giving us the mind of Christ. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. And it talks about how he has to give these people milk instead of solid food because they don't yet know the Spirit. Tozer talks about in his book how it's one thing to know God. I want to say this right. And what he did for me. But it's another thing to know what he is for me right now, today. When I look around this room, I know that most all of you know what Jesus did on the cross. He died for your sins. He came and completely took you as a son or a daughter. But have you received the Holy Spirit? That one that speaks to you every single day? Have you let him start to change you? Do you look the same as you did last year? The Holy Spirit's exciting. I'll tell you what. He changes you. So you're not the same person that you were a year ago. You're not the same person that you were five years ago. You can look back and say, only God could have changed me this much. Only God. I'm telling you, only God. Do you know the Spirit? Have you let the Spirit change you? Have you listened to His voice today, yesterday, tomorrow? We can't stir up what's not there. You know, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and the devil tempted him with food because he was fasting, he tempted him with power, he tempted him with authority, Jesus didn't buckle. Why? Because there wasn't evil in him. So when he was pressured, good came out. When we're pressured, good should come out. When someone slaps you on the right cheek, you should turn the other cheek. When someone takes your cloak, you should offer to walk with him. That's only by the Spirit of God. That's not human. We don't want to be people of this world. We want to be spiritual people. In order to be spiritual people, we need the mind of Christ, the Spirit of Christ. In order to be spiritual people, we won't look like the rest of the world. And that way, like Philippians said, we're going to shine forth. People are going to, in the dark, dark and corrupt generation, we're going to shine. But only if we're listening to the Spirit. So what do we need more of? The Spirit. 
and in the birth of the, the modern church in Acts chapter 2, the believers were gathered in the upper room and they were praying and seeking Jesus and seeking God. And the Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind and sets on, on top of each head like tongues of fire. And they began to speak in other tongues. And they go out into the streets. And Peter, who was once afraid to say, I am a follower of Jesus, now had boldness and was able to preach to thousands of people. And they gave their hearts and lives to Jesus. And by the power of the Spirit, they began to go into all the earth and preach the gospel. When they got to people who had heard about Jesus, but not the Holy Spirit yet, they'd be like, wait, did you receive the Spirit yet? Receive the Spirit of God. And those people were filled to overflowing with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God brings us to a place of love. It shows us the power of God. It brings us to a place of love, joy, and peace. We just go through that list so fast, don't we? That list just popped in every one of our heads. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. But we don't love our neighbor. We need more of the Spirit. This morning, we need more of the Spirit. This morning, we need to say, God, here I am to be transformed again. Here I am again. Because without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing we can do to transform ourselves to look like this. We need the tools. If you had one of these and you put it on just like Ben, then there you go. You could imitate and be exactly the same. But if you don't have this, it's impossible. It's like that with the Holy Spirit. We try to look like a good Christian by acting good. God doesn't want us to act. He wants to change us right from the inside. He doesn't want us to learn how to control our anger so it looks good when we come into church. He wants to take that anger and take it out of your life and to change you completely. That's the power of Jesus on the cross to break every chain. Not to just whitewash us so we look okay, so we can act good in society. He wants to give us the tools to completely transform us by the power of God's love. A tool, the biggest tool, thing that God uses to transform us is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, not so that we can speak in tongues, but that might happen. Because last week we talked about a table that God had set before us in the presence of our enemies. And we talk about that in Psalms, how he set a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And well, everything is surrounding us. There's a song that says, I may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by Jesus. In the presence of your enemies, God will give you food to eat, okay? And there's a coming a day in glory where we're going to sit at a table and our enemies are not going to be there any longer. And we are going to feast on Jesus, but there's not going to be any enemies watching over us. But there's a day also today where, where God says, I want to fill you with that power. And many of us haven't come and we haven't eaten at this table, we believe in Jesus at the cross. We believe that we were made right, but we haven't taken our power for today. I'm sure that most of you woke up very, very early in the morning to watch the royal wedding. No. <laughs> we saw the royal wedding, and we saw Meghan Markle become a princess. But does that mean that she knows everything about being a princess? I think that Kate Middleton knows a little bit more about being a princess than Meghan Markle, right? Because she spent time in the castle. <laughs> we are 
heirs of Christ. We are children of God. But unless we spend some time with the Spirit of God, then we're, we are Christians by name, but we haven't yet been transformed. Do you want to let God transform you? It's hard, but it's so easy at the same time to give up your control, to give up the fact that I'm going to figure this out or I'm going to push and push and push and push and I'm going to get there. I'm going to be a great Christian. The moment I lay back and I say, God, here I am. You see me and you love me. Help me to change. He'll give you the process to change. We're going to turn on a song that's uh, called We Say Yes. And this is a really simple song. This morning, we have some time to seek the Lord. I want us to ask God, fill me with your spirit. That's all that's going to change me. That's what I need, even more so than anything else. I need God more than anything else. Can you go to that last slide? This is about Paul. It's like an orange and, and brown one, Luke. Thank you so much. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says this, going down to the end. He's in verse 17, he says, I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. And then he says, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Philippians tells us to look out for the interests of others and that we should look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. Christ made himself nothing. Paul poured himself out as an offering. And he was referencing the Old Testament sacrifices that they made. And when they would bring an animal to be sacrificed, they would pour a drink offering over it. And Paul says, I'm being poured out. My very life is being poured out. Jesus became nothing. He was poured out. Paul became nothing. He poured out his life. He didn't do the opposite of grumbling, arguing. He didn't complain about it. Imagine if Jesus Christ came and complained about all of us. Imagine if Jesus Christ came and argued with all of us. Imagine if he came for his own selfish ambition. Imagine if he came for his own vain glory. He didn't, and neither should we. And then Paul himself pours himself out like a drink offering. So the question today is, am I protecting myself or am I giving myself away? Am I protecting myself or am I giving myself away? We feel like we need to protect ourselves. We don't want to love too much. We don't want to give too much. We don't want to be a doormat. We don't want to give our cloak. We don't want to turn the other cheek because then we look weak. We don't want to. We don't. We have all the excuses. But God says, by my spirit, I'll take vengeance. I'll judge. You love. You love. You love. And like Mother Teresa said, first, your family. Luke, if you could start that song. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person that you brought into your house this morning, Jesus. God, this morning we realize from your word, we realize from Philippians, we realize from these other parts of scripture that we need you. The situation is big. We can't on our own be like Christ. We can't be obedient even unto death on our own. Jesus, this morning, we want to give ourselves to you. No matter what that looks like, no matter what it costs, we want to be like Paul who poured himself out, who gave up his life for the gospel. God, for those of us that are holding on tight, 
to our arguments, are holding on tight to our bitterness, who are holding on tight to our own vain conceit, who are holding on tight to our own way of life. God, I pray that this morning would be a day of surrender, that this morning we would say, yes, God, whatever you have for me, yes. God, whatever your spirit tells me to do, I'll say yes. God, I pray that we begin to be transformed. God, I pray that we begin to listen to your spirit every day. That, God, you would give us the blueprints for change in our very lives. So that people might know us by our love for one another. God, we need you in this moment. We need you this week. God, we need you today. God, I ask that as your people, as we humble ourselves, that, God, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit because we need it. Jesus couldn't do anything without your spirit. We certainly can't. So this morning, God, I ask that you would come and you would fill every man, every woman, every teenager with your spirit because we need to be overflowing with your love. And God, we can't do it on your own. So we come just like it says to in James and we ask, God, there are things that we need. Most of all, we need your spirit. So Jesus, come and minister to your people now with open hearts. We pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.